All right, this is your host, Ryan Greathouse. We've got another episode coming to you with the Strut South Podcast. This is episode number 28. And today, we talk with Devin Duncan. We talk about loading your guns, patterning your guns, putting sights on them, red dots, all kind of stuff. And the biggest thing we hit on in this one is bashing other hunters. And... It just needs to stop, guys. I mean, it's it's getting to the point where it's kind of ridiculous. And I kind of think some of that is we might just be getting tired and we're ready for turkey season to start. But it it really has gotten to the point where it's, it's bad. And we just got to stop bashing. Um, stop bashing people that use TSS. Stop bashing people that hunt with decoys or reap with decoys i mean we just need to hunt and we need to do everything we can to be one team i mean we're all in it together we need to have fun all that good stuff um and i'll forewarn everybody this episode here there's not really a whole lot of turkey talk in it um this one really just pertains mostly all to shotguns chokes shells sights all that good stuff the ins and outs and what you need to do getting your gun ready for the season and all that great stuff so hope you guys enjoy and again i'm gonna say it stop bashing All right, guys, we're back with episode number 28. We got Mr. Devin Duncan on here with us. He's with Apex Ammunition, and he's on their research and development team. And uh, what's going on, Duncan? Oh, not much, bud. Just sitting around. Uh, got off night shift this morning, and it's a nasty day outside, and figured it'd be a pretty good day for a podcast. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Um Pretty much days like today, when turkey season's not in, you either watch turkey hunting videos or talk turkey. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I was working night shift last couple of days, and yesterday I got off, and it was beautiful, like 50, 55 degrees, sun shining. So I went went scouting, did you went and checked out some several different places in the national forests, and just enjoyed the weather in the woods and. Uh, yeah, that's what I done yesterday. Stretched my legs a little bit and found a good bit of turkey sign. So, something to look forward to. Good deal. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to get out really. Um, well, I say I haven't been able to. I mean, I've been out a few times, but it's just it's still. I don't know, man. Turkeys are still kind of acting like they're non-existent. I haven't really seen oh. much sign or heard any turkeys or seen any turkeys um i just made you know a couple little short stopped a couple different places and uh you know i'm scouting local you know places i know you know been hunting on my whole life and um i was just mainly looking for you know scratch and just seeing if turkey's been in the area and if it was recent or if it's been a while since they've been in there you know like back in late deer season or the fall since they've been in there but yeah those everywhere every um couple places i stopped uh, and checked and walked into those bulldoze pretty good and pretty uh pretty fresh so that's exciting yeah yeah that's awesome i know 
I know I'm ready, which I'm, I'm actually not too upset that I haven't seen a whole lot of turkey sign because to me that mean, that tells me that they're still kind of not in the mood. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the way it is down here, which you're in – where are you at? You're in North Carolina? I'm in the mountain. No, I'm in Virginia. That's right, Virginia. The, yeah. Central West Virginia, um, not West Virginia the state, but Western Virginia um, and uh, – yeah, in the Allegheny Mountains. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know down here it seems like, which I when I'm on Facebook, I see people all across Georgia showing pictures, and they're like, oh, man, they're ready. They're, they're fired up, and they got pictures of turkeys. But I don't know, for some reason in my area, it seems like they really don't get a whole – they don't get really visible until – about right now, about the first of March, and uh, but I'm okay with that because I don't want them to. I don't want them to be done before yeah. turkey season gets here. Now, when you when you when you said visible, do you mean like activity out in fields and stuff? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know for I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but I know here it's like like I don't know where they go. I mean. It's like they disappear, they go underground or something. Yeah, it's, 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 I know exactly what you're trying to say. It's like that here. Yeah. It's like, uh, you see some deer hunting, but like in between deer, you know, and then the deer season, again, turkey season, you know, it's like you didn't, you don't really see much. And then you get like right there, right, you know, when things are getting bust loose and you start seeing turkeys crossing the roads and, you know, gobblers strutting in the fields and you're like, you know, I've seen <clears> turkey all year. It's talking about, it's like, Kind of yeah. like, kind of like, it's kind of like the deer rut is, is where does it sound to say it's like they you know you, i don't know you start seeing deer getting hit by cars and stuff in the rut i don't know i don't get it but i know what you're trying to say it's like all of a sudden you just start seeing right there at turkey season you start seeing turkeys everywhere so you know, well i guess i guess a lot of it has to do is you know they bust up and gobblers are getting by themselves and yeah yeah i remember i can't remember who it was somebody told me one time they stay a lot of times when it's not turkey season. They stay really, really tight in the timber, and and I guess that makes sense because it it explains why you don't really see them a whole lot. Well, I know outside of turkey. Season. I know here in the mountains, um, springtime like the turkeys will be lower down, and you know the the foothills and the lower line ridges of the mountains. You know that's where most of your population would be. I mean, of course, they're all scattered all over the mountains, but just rule of thumb. And then, you know, like fall time, winter, I mean, these gangs of older gobblers, they'll, they'll get way back in the mountains and rough, nasty, I mean, places where old mountain bucks live, you know, rock batters and right, way back in on the tops of the mountains and laurel thickets and stuff. And they get back in there and if there's mast and food. And, um, yeah, they, they live in places in the wintertime where, you know, old bear or old mountain buck live. So, yeah, they kind of take off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and get right into this. Um, we'll start out with some rapid fire questions and, uh, you just give me a real quick answers and, uh, have a few questions here that I'll, right. I'll shoot at you. All right, here we go. Um, favorite brand of cookie. Oreo double stuffed. Oh, okay. I'm not a big fan of the double stuffed. I it's a close call for me. I like the thin. 
I like them all. If it's an Oreo, I'm happy. Yeah, it is Milk's <laughs> favorite cookie. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, coffee black or with creamer? Uh, creamer just to cool it down, honestly. Okay, so you use the liquid creamer. Yeah, or just milk. I got you. I just like to knock the heat off it a little bit so it don't burn it down. <laughs> I want to start drinking it now, not 15 minutes later, I'm, you know. See, I'm a little bit different. I kind of like my, I kind of like my creamer and sugar with a little bit of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I just, for some reason, I think the creamer and the sugar wakes me up a little better. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, all right. Uh, favorite combo on a biscuit. Oh, have to be uh, you talking about a breakfast breakfast biscuit? Yeah. Uh, probably sausage, egg, and cheese with tomato mayonnaise. Sausage, egg, and cheese. Tomato mayonnaise? Yeah. You mean like a tomato and mayonnaise or? Yeah. Tomato oh, mayonnaise. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought you meant there's a there's a thing called tomato mayonnaise out there. Oh, I ain't no. Never... I'm, I'm just, that's, that's just my country's twang coming out. Just I got you. everything together. I'm a, okay. Everybody out there, I'm just old hillbilly from Virginia, so you have to excuse me. Hey, that's all right. That's all right. But yeah, I do. I do like a tomato. Tomato just about is like ranch. It pretty yeah. much makes everything better. Yeah. All right. Um, favorite uh, gauge on a shotgun. Oh, if I had to pick one for turkey hunting and never be able to carry anything ever again, that'd be a twenty gauge now. Yeah, I got you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, especially now with the with the TSS craze. I mean, I'd I'd be perfectly fine with the four ten with the way you know, but if I had to pick one, twenty gauge. All right, sounds good. Well, that was it for the rapid fire. Um, so, Devin, you're with the uh, Apex. Um, they haven't been around very long. Um, so kind of explain. Kind of explain that and how that came about. Well, it's uh, it's kind of a, a three-headed monster. Um, Jason Lonesbury, uh, Nick Charney, and Jarrett Lewis just uh, kind of stars aligned, and they came to be friends. and And I think uh, you know a couple things are said, and the next thing you know, um, it's going. You know, they all have they all bring their own uh, distinct thing to the business. You know, Jason's kind of the the, the economics. Uh, guy and Nick's into the reloading and logistics and Jarrett he's logistics and keeping things moving and um so there's support all the way around but um a uh, lot of hard work on them guys I mean it's it's not loading loading the shells is the easiest thing about their business there's a lot that goes into it and I wouldn't want to be in their shoes um it's not just as simple as throwing a shot in a shell and you're 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 in a you know, ammo company. It's just not that simple. So a lot of hard work is where, where it's come from. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, especially nowadays, because, I mean, you got all these, you got all these ammo companies. I mean, it's a very crowded um, market. Uh, kind of like, kind of like um, mouth calls for turkeys. I mean, everybody makes mouth calls now. So yeah. Um. So I think 
the first thing that we're going to hit on and whether this turns some people away from listening to this podcast for this episode or for any of them, frankly, I don't care. Um, but I think with, with TSS apex or whoever's making TSS shells nowadays, TSS has actually been around for a long time. Yeah. It just only, it really only got prevalent in the turkey industry in the last maybe five to ten, well, really five years. Yeah, the last three to four years. Yeah. And for some reason, um, I don't know what it is, but there's so many people out there that throw so much hate on other people that use TSS. And I'll go ahead and tell you now, if if you're one of those people and you're out there listening, I, I don't care. I mean you can you can go and listen to another podcast. I don't I really don't care. Or or um, hang or hang around and be willing to right. have an open mind and learn a little bit about it. The way I look at it is we're all in this together. Um we're all hunters. We're all on the same team. It doesn't matter what the next guy shooting or it doesn't matter how the next guy calls doesn't matter what it is i mean if somebody wants to do their hunt a certain way and it's legal and it's ethical then there's no reason to bash them or hate on them hunters um, need hunters need to start supporting other hunters that are hunting legal and ethically because we're losing hunters by the tens of thousands every year uh, that's true baby boomers are dying off and the just the way the world's going it's you know kids aren't getting into it like they used to the world's moving fast it's uh yeah you if if there's something that will get someone excited about the outdoors and get them out in the woods and get them hunting you better support it because if our numbers keep dropping you know the other side. You know the other side of the fence. They're growing. Their voice is growing. Our voice is getting. You know we're going the other way. They're going to take our uh, our guns. It's just they try to shut down hunting seasons and stuff. So people need to start supporting each other. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean people. Hunters bash other hunters for all different types of things, whether it's using decoys or not using decoys, or do you reap turkeys or do you fan turkeys or, but I think the biggest topic out there that include, that involves people getting bashed is TSS. And I just, there ain't no place for it. And and this is coming from a guy that doesn't shoot TSS. Yeah, exactly. I've I've never shot TSS until about a week ago. Well, really three or four days ago. And you um, just pattern you just pattern you ain't killed a turkey. Right. Yeah. Right. I've never hunted with it and I've never done anything. All I did was shoot my shoot my gun, tried to sight it in, and it actually didn't sight in, which I mean I could have made it sight in better, but with my red dot on my shotgun, it didn't sight in the way that Longbeard XRs do. 
And well, well, you got your gun sighted in for Long Beard XRs, right? And, and, yeah, yeah. But I'll still, I'll still use those TSS shells. I'm just gonna use them in a different gun, right? Since I've got some Long Beard XRs, I'll just use that. But I mean, that's just it. Just there's no place for bashing, and if you're one of those people that is about bashing somebody for no matter what they're doing, then just find another podcast to listen to. If it's legal, and, <laughs> if it's legal and ethical, so, I mean, support it. Right. It, I mean, you know. Yep. Well, and I think, and we'll start off with this. I think the core reason for the hate against TSS is the price. Yeah. Um, it is. I think if people feel like people's trying to do, uh, you know, if you shoot it, you're trying to be like, like, if you're trying to be better than someone else, like, Hey, I shoot TSS or you like, you got to have a bunch of money to shoot it. And I, and I understand it's price point and it is expensive, but I mean, I'm, uh, I'm just a normal guy that almost paid basically paycheck to paycheck. And I, and I was able to get into it just because ever since I was, a teenager and missed my first job. The first job that I missed, I got consumed with patterning. Like it just blew me up on it. Like I, I missed the gobbler at close range and that like started my fuel. Like I, you know, I didn't have my cheek down on the stock and I shot her top of his head and he got away. And from that point on, I was like, I'm going to learn my gun inside out. And I was all from that point on, I was interested in check, you know, finding what's better. Better, better shells, better chokes. You know how to clean the bore of my shotgun better to make my gun shoot better, and this and that. And um, I mean, anything that was more lethal, I was always into. You know, it was lead, and then heavy shot, thirteen, and then I, you know, then I got into federal heavyweight, and then and then I was always following for. I was always following um, TSS hand loading. And it's like people think, um, you know. A lot of people think it's brand new, but this stuff's been around 15, 12, 15 years um, and grew over time, like popular among hand loaders. And he's on forum boards and stuff on the internet. And I followed it. And I was like, I wanted to get into it for a long time. I'm like, one day I am going to get into it. And about five, you know, six years ago, I was, me and a friend went in together and got our stuff to start loading it ourselves. And um, I, was, I was always into the best. And not to go out there and shoot it. You know, I don't. I'm a spring gobbler hunter. I live in the mountains of Virginia. You know, I rarely get a setup where you can shoot past 40 yards. It, it, I don't wake up and say I can't wait to go out here and shoot a gobbler 60 yards. I mean, I'm a spring right. gobbler hunter. I've been, you know, I've been hunting them for just be 24 springs. It's you hunt them to to outwit them. And uh, yeah, but I also I want to kill them as fast and as dead and ethically as possible. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, the the pad the, the TSS gives you so much confidence. You know, you don't you you go from having to judge your distance to you know if you misjudge your distance, he's still dead. Um, yeah, you got forgiven patterns, and it's just there's so many uh, positive things to it. Um, right, and that so, but can you can you kind of explain that like the reason why the the price is so much heftier with TSS than well, it is with your regular lead shot. Well, tungsten, uh, t tungsten, pure tungsten comes out the ground. Um, you know, it's like 19 plus, a little over 19 grains per cc density. 
Well, lead is 11.3 grains per cc density out the ground. So it's mined in China. It's processed in China. It's a precious metal. It's not, it's, uh, you know, it's not like it's everywhere. Readily, it's, it's just, it's not as readily available. Yeah, I mean, as, you know, yeah. select locations where this stuff can be mined. It's a precious metal. It's the dent, one of the densest materials on, you know, and the process is not to make the shot is, is a heck of a process. And the smaller the pellet, the harder it is to process and the more expensive that that size shot is per pound. And, you know, then it's got to be handled by their workers and packaged and shipped to America. And then it's got to be shipped from that, you know, there to whoever's loading it, you know, it's handled. And, and you know, like I say, it's just all those factors right there. It's, it's mined in China, it's processed in China, it's shipped in China, and then it's got to get here and then it's got to be, Loaded by American workers, you know, um, Apex, you know, we have people. We Ours are hand-loaded, roll crimp, loaded one shell at a time. So, yeah. and, I, and, and then that's the thing, like, and I'll say this. Um, like, do I, I'm not, I'm not a TSS shooter. Right. Do I think that TSS is amazing? Yes. Is it? Probably the best patterning shot on the market. Absolutely, it is. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I don't, I don't see myself being an all the time TSS shooter just because of the price. But do I understand why it's expensive? Yes, and I. I agree with TSS and I, I commend Apex and all these other companies that are doing this and I understand it and because it is better. Now, are there other loads out there that you can do and that are almost as lethal? Well, I mean, they're all lethal, but as far as patterning and stuff like that, you got some competitors out there with Apex, you got Federal, you got Winchester, Lombard XRs. I mean, They'll all kill a turkey, but and that's I think that's the that's the biggest thing is well for so long all these other shells have done fine. Why now do we need TSS? And I think that's the biggest gripe with people. But but I mean the proofs in the pudding. I mean it's they are better, but you know. I just I don't I don't see myself being a TSS shooter, and that's just me being completely honest. Well, that, I'm not, yeah, but I'm not against at it at all. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where we all need to kind of come together. And, and that's the thing too. I think a lot of people are just afraid of change and, but the fact of the matter is we had, I did a podcast with uh, Scott Ellis and mm -hmm. he kind of, we, he kind of said the same thing. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not 1980 anymore. It's not 1990 anymore. It's, yeah. it's almost 2020. It's two, I mean, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2019. Gone are the days of taking a, I mean, you can still do it. Don't get me wrong. People still do it every day, but that style of going out in the woods and taking an over and under shotgun or side by side with some two and three quarter dove load or, and killing a turkey, those days are like it's that's not it anymore. 
and the the oh you got to kill them at 30 yards or 40 yards is the max like that's just not that's not how it is anymore right because of because of evolution human advancements and technology and that distance has increased yes but i mean now nowadays 40 yards is nothing yeah i mean and that's the thing like you don't need the stuff everybody that's shooting it doesn't doesn't need it they want it they want to have the best it's i mean you think you think scott ellis or dave owens or you know any of these i mean some of the best collars and woodsmen and hunters in the nation old timers old timers that were hunting long before me and you were born that we could be center you know old timer old-fashioned turkey hunter they're shooting tss david you know the, uh, night in hell you know david they're, they're shooting i mean it's because of how it kills them and how the confidence right. and yeah you know you when you pull the trigger it's the ain't worry about crippling him or i mean he's dead and you know it's just the confidence factor and I mean, times are changing, and if you think those, yeah. if you think those guys, Dave Owens and Scott Ellis and all these other uh, big time callers and woodsmen that are using this TSS, if you think they go back to lead t- tomorrow and would see any phase slow down in them killing gobblers, I mean, you'd be crazy to think. You know, <laughs> they ain't gonna miss a beat, right? Right, it's, and I think I think that's the biggest, um, and I don't I don't know why I, I don't know why, but but that's all you see on that's turkey, all you see on Facebook is I, I mean a turkey killer is going to kill I, I mean they've been killing them for a, a while and if, if you're a killer you're you're going to you're going to keep you're not going to miss a beat I mean it's just the the the, the confidence factor the 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 room for error I mean right. The patterns, the density, how it kills them. It's why would you yeah. not? If you can, uh, if you can fit it in your budget, you know, more power to you. I mean, who cares what people shoot? I mean, you shoot lead, you're happy with it. <clears throat> that just because I shoot TSS doesn't make me better than you, or you better than me because you. I mean, who cares? Like people got to exactly. come together, you know. Yep, exactly. We're out um, there doing the same thing. We're out there killing turkeys. We're out there hunting. Yep. And I think, and that's what I, I don't understand. I, I think the biggest misconception is all TSS shooters, they're shooting TSS because they want to shoot turkeys farther away. And I, I just, I don't understand why people think that because every single person that I know, you, Scott Ellis, um, Shane Simpson, he shoots TSS, um, and all those other names you mentioned. Dave Owens. I don't know anybody that goes out there and they say, "I'm ready to shoot one at 60." No, that's not that's not <laughs> what that's not what turkey hunters get up to do. That's not what you wake up in the morning. You know, wore out from hunting and thinking, I can't wait to shoot a gobbler sixty yards a day. You know, it's not right. like we get up and do it. And and in social social media, the most common thing is that you know someone find you know if someone's hating on it, the first thing they say is you you learn how to call, learn how to position, work, be a woodsman. You know, yeah. If you, if you don't think I can call and you don't think I'm a woodsman, then you know, 
invite me invite me down to hunt hunt your honey hole with you know i mean yeah it's just <clears throat> it just uh, if you're automatically a long range turkey sniper if tss is mentioned on social media and there's people it's you know yeah it's and and i think to me that's the biggest benefit for tss which doesn't mean that's why you're shooting it, but that's right. a, I had a benefit. And yeah. you, you mean to tell me, I mean, if you, I mean, you've been hunting with lead long enough, <laughs> you've misjudged some turkeys, and you've probably knocked several down, and they've run off crippled. If you've been hunting yeah. turkeys long enough, oh yeah, using lead loads over the past couple decades, you know, a decade ago. 15 years ago, 35 yards was a poke with lead number fives. If you had, yeah. a, turkey, if you had a turkey head target and you put 10 to 20, 10 to 15 pellets in the head, I mean, you had a smoker. You had a smoking gun. That thing was, you know, you was the hottest thing in town. Oh, yeah. You know, so if you misjudge turkey time or two in your day, it's a good possibility you've knocked some down. I mean, if you, if you misjudge with this stuff – it's a very, very high percentage chance that you're still bringing him home. Yeah, and it's more and, likely, and, that's, and more it's more likely going to melt him and turn him inside out, not just yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, to me, I think that is the biggest benefit is misjudging distance. That's where TSS it kind of takes up that slack for you. Well, here and here, here's one of the biggest benefits that I'm seeing is the 410 trend. It's getting kids and, you know, kids in the woods, man. Uh, some, you know, some parents, not not all kids are raised the same. You know, my dad threw me on a 20-gauge, and he didn't let me practice. He taught me fundamentals when he started me when I was tiny at five years old. You know, he didn't let me, let me shoot the shotgun. He taught me had the fundamentals to aim and shoot with a 22 and first time I got to shoot a shotgun is when I was killing my first gobbler. He didn't want me to be scared of the recoil. And I wasn't. Right. I wasn't. When I killed my first gobbler, I remember, you know, that was the last thing I was thinking about. I put the beetle on his head, made a nice clean shot, killed the gobbler. The gun went off. I didn't even feel it, you know. And But nowadays, 410s, you can get, you know, some parents don't, you know, they raise their kids. You know, everybody's different. They don't want to throw them on a 20-gauge, whether they can handle it or not, you know. And so they have more confidence putting their kids on these 410s that are, are, you know, bona fide 40-yard turkey gun just by putting, you know, TSS in it. And if, yep. you, and if you're like me uh, and you just into setting guns up, you can you can have a, four, a 410 that's a, just depending on what you kind of get, three-pound to a five-pound gun that is a bona fide 50, 55-yard gun. I mean, the same distances – People have been handicapped to with three and a half inch, twelve gauge shoulder stompers for the last couple of decades before you know Winchester Longbeards and the last couple of advancements in the last eight ten years. You know, and 50, 55 yards that, that was most people's you know handicapped range with the twelve gauge. With you know, now you can do that with a gun that doesn't hardly weigh anything, has no recoil, less muzzle blast, and will absolutely turn a gobbler inside out with tungsten super shot to 50 55 yards yeah and and that's that's one thing i was going to say i know and me not being a 
a TSS shooter, which this was, this was before the TSS craze came about. I've misjudged distance. We all have. Um, I remember I shot a turkey one time. Me and a buddy of mine were hunting, and we had to sneak up on these birds. They were public land birds. We didn't right. want to call. We didn't right. want to call to them. And uh, so I told him, I said, we, we saw them. Luckily, before they knew we were there. And I said, look, I said, we'll just crawl right up this hill because they were in a perfect spot. We could just kind of sneak on them, right. stalk them, and right. pop up and shoot them. And right. uh, so I said, if we, I said, we got to get to this tree. I was pointing to a spot, and I said, we got to get to right there. When we get there, they'll be in range. We'll just both pop up and shoot them. Right. And uh, so we did that. I ended up shooting mine. The turkey he was going to shoot at, he stepped in the woods right before he was going to shoot, so he didn't take the shot. <clears throat> or stepped in some brush it wasn't a clear shot so he said no nah, i ain't gonna shoot right well i shot mine well what we didn't know was they were the turkeys were kind of down a hill well i shot the turkey and i'm going to walking to get the turkey you know and i keep walking i keep walking i'm like golly man i'm like how far was that and and i wasn't shooting tss i mean you could it, you, it can still happen with another with lead load yeah I, I kept walking kept walking i said there ain't no way that that was that far and i after i you know i i stepped it off and i i ranged it it was 67 yards yeah and which granted i'm shooting a three and a half inch longbeard xr number sixes um and it, I mean, it just, it smoked him. Like, yeah. he he had no chance. I think it just happened to be all the, whatever that group looked like at 67, just happened to be the tightest part that hit him. And, but I mean, we, we, we've all done it. We all misjudged distance. And I did, am I proud of it? No, I'm not proud that I shot him at 67 yards. Yeah. Um, am I proud of the shells? In my gun, yeah, yeah, they they, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't run around telling people, oh yeah, I, sh I shot one at almost seventy yards before, but um, I don't know, just everybody just shoot what you want, and and the biggest thing I'll say is do do the research for yourself. Um, I mean, it's good to get on there and ask people opinions and stuff like that. But once you kind of got an idea of what you want to shoot, whether it be TSS or whether it be federal or long beards or whatever, but go out there, shoot your gun, find out what you want to shoot and pattern it, find out what your max killing range is. And when I say max, I don't mean absolute max. I mean like what you're comfortable with. 40 yards, right. 50 yards, something like that, and and do it yourself and see what your results are. That way we're not – that way you're not running around wounding turkey because you really, really need to know what your gun can do at 40 and 50 yards. Whatever distances you plan intend on shooting, you need to know what your gun does. Right. Um, exactly. I don't just go out there and, and shoot, you know – 40 yards and you know and say well he, i'm i'm good to 60 you need whatever distances you intend on shooting you need to shoot that for I, I, I mean that's, you, my, that's my opinion yeah 
Yeah, I agree completely. Because I tell you, I asked that podcast I did with Dave Owens. I told him a story. I hunted with a guy, never met the guy, never didn't know him from Adam. Hunted with him on public land because I just saw him walking in one day and I was like, look, we'll walk in together. If you're going here, I'm going right past that spot. So we'll just walk together, you know, make it, it won't, it won't be as, as a boring of a walk, you know? So we're talking the whole way and he, he gets to telling me he's never shot a turkey before. He's been hunting for like 10 years. Wow. And I said, I said, okay, well, so we'll, why don't you just go with me the rest of the day? Yeah. I, I thought about it for a minute and I'm like, I mean, he seemed, I kind of, I sized him up, you know, and I was talking to him. He seemed like a, he was super nice, super nice guy. Genuine person. Yeah. And, uh, I said, well, look, I said, why don't, why don't I just sit with you if you, if you don't mind and, uh, we'll, we'll try to call you up a turkey. And he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. You know? So we, we sit up and everything. Long story short, we end up striking one bird ends up sneaking up on us. He comes in. He's right at 50, maybe 45 yards. He wasn't going to get no closer. So I told him, I said, whenever you get ready, you might need to try to shoot him because he ain't coming no closer. And uh, he shoots him. He knocks him down. Bird gets up, runs off. And uh, I felt really, really bad. And Yeah, because you so probably, probably kind of felt like he shot because you told him you need to, yeah. Well, that and I, I – I, I really didn't take enough time into saying, all right, because I, I didn't know how much experience the guy had, but he told me how, he'd been turkey hunting for 10 how years. Much, you know, you know you're, you're thinking back, you're, you're thinking, how much coaching right. should I give him? You know, take your right. time, put, put it yeah. on top of it. You know, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And uh, so we look for the bird and this and that, and we can't find him. And I think the bird actually ended up making it. He did nick him some. There was a little bit of blood, but, I mean, we, we walked for – 200 yards in a circle we walked a good bit now, and we didn't find it that and, you'll ne- uh, that you'll never know for sure oh yeah yeah i mean i i feel i felt confident that the bird would be okay whether he was or not we'll never Tur- know but turkeys are good at hiding underneath brush and stuff or they yeah horrible. yeah and and they are they are a lot tougher than people give them credit for some most of the time um and so we we get back to where we were sitting and you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, it's just that's just one of them things. We all it all happens. It happens to everybody. And so we're sitting there, and another turkey gobbles. And uh, so we call this bird up, and this this ain't been but about 20 minutes, you know. Yeah. So yeah, we call that bird in to 30 yards. He shoots at this one. He misses him. And uh, this was a completely clean miss. Yeah. And, I guess, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I I was pretty tore up because my first thought was, man, I, I, that could have been two birds I could have killed. But then, after the fact, I'm like, well, maybe the guy learned something. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I asked him, I'm, after that, I'm like, look, man, what are you shooting? What's your choke? What kind of shells are you shooting? Did you pattern your gun? All this, I'm asking all these questions. He probably didn't. Even, I mean, I'm just guessing before you say <laughs> yeah. it, he probably didn't know none of it. Well, he he did, but he said, "Yeah, I shot my gun," and but he told me he said I was wrong then. He said, "Uh, he said I was getting ten pellets in the head and neck at forty yards," and I'm like, "Yeah," I'm like, "Yeah, it could kill him," but that's that's not. 
spectacular. That's not really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I gave him some tips. I was like, try this out, try these out, you know. So hopefully, hopefully he learned something and. Maybe I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I didn't, I never even got the guy's number. I don't remember his name, but hopefully he figured it out. And but that's that's the biggest reason you want to go out and figure out what your gun can do, so that you're not missing or hitting and wounding birds. Yeah. Um, you, need, you need to have faith in your setup. I, I don't care what a person's using. If they have faith in it and confidence in it. Congratulations, more power to you. I am tickled 100% with everything in my heart. Happy for that person. Go for it. If you you know if you're know your what your gun can do, can and can't do, and you're confident and have faith in your setup to x whatever x amount of yards is for you, that's great. That's what I want everybody to have and feel like. You know, grabbing a gun out the cabinet and throwing a shell in it and never patting it. I mean. If you love this sport and you have a passion for it and you love these animals and you enjoy hunting these guys, you know, it makes you feel alive to hunt a spring gobbler. It's the least that we can do is our part is to whatever you're shooting, whatever your setup is, at least make it know what it's doing. It's the you, the best that you can take with you in the woods that day or, you know, however I'm trying to put it. Right. You know, we owe it to the animal. We owe it to ourselves. Why? You know, I think we, you know, for, first and foremost, we owe it to the animal more than anything. But what about ourselves? You know, you're going to get up two hours before daylight and drive to a place on National Forest or you're out of state hunting National Forest or whatever and put the effort in. You, you hike into a place, you got a 30-minute, a 30-minute, 45-minute walk in the dark to get to wherever you want to be to listen from at daylight. You know, whether it's that's where the birds are at or if you're just trying to get away from people or just doing whatever you got to do, you know, and you put and you get on a gobbler and you, you, you get something, you work him and you reposition and you've worked him to mid-morning and you finally get, you know, you get this bird in range, you know, you owe it to yourself to, to come through on that, you know, and right. foremost, the animal. Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, first and foremost, you owe it to the bird. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be hunting them in the first place. Right. Um, and I, I say this, I say this a lot ever since I've been, you know, keeping up with Dave Owens and the, the Penhody Project. I'm not trying to, not, uh, not trying to plug him or anything. Oh, no, I, I love, he, I love he, Dave um, Owens. Uh, I love Dave Owens. Stuff. Yeah. One of the best, I mean, he said something, one of the best things I've ever heard in one of his episodes. He said, you get up every morning to go hunt that turkey, and he gives. Gives you his best. He, he gives you his best. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. you have, it, you owe it to him to give him your best. Yes, sir. Yep. To me, that's one of the best quotes out there when it comes to turkey because that's exactly the feeling that you get when you're in that chess match with that, with that bird. Yeah. And it's just, you, you just, you owe it to them. Yep. And you owe it not only, not only to the bird, you owe it to the entire hunting industry. I mean, you owe it to the everyday hunter because I mean, 
think about it. If if everybody was just running around, not really taking taking it serious, or and we were just running around wounding turkeys all the time, or wounding deer, or anything, hunting would go away, and there wouldn't be anything to hunt. Yeah, because they would be dying, and we wouldn't be finding them. I, I, if that makes sense to anybody, um, but. Uh, we, I guess we hit on the, the bashing and the doing the ethical stuff enough. We'll, uh, we'll start getting into some actual other stuff you can do. Um, so this is my first year using a red dot site. Right. Um, and I've always kind of understood the premise and they're just about like a rifle scope. I mean, as far as sighting in, you do all that same way. Um, so kind of, and, and there might be some people out there that don't really understand how red dots work with shotguns and stuff. So if you could kind of go into detail about how you, how you would go about finding a scope or a red dot for a shotgun, how would you put on your gun and sight it in all that good stuff? Well, uh, off the bat, kind of what we just talked about for a good while, you know, about Anything that makes a hunter more confident and more successful, I'm all for. You know, I was I was the guy, you know, growing up, my dad, so he was the same way, thinking, why in the world does someone have a scope on a turkey gun? It's a it's a pattern of pellets. You put the you you know, you've heard people say it, you know put the beat on his head and pull the trigger. And, you know, that was me for a long time. Like, it just didn't make no good sense to me. Yeah, that yeah. that is that is exactly the same way that I grew. My thought press was, my thought process was growing up. I mean, the exact same thing. Like, why would you ever need a scope or a sight on a shotgun? I'm not saying uh, everybody has to have You You don't. Uh, you know, I use a single bead last year on my 410 and killed three gobblers. But, it's, you know, lots of people, just to kick it off, is a lot of people have, uh, you know, vision problems. So, a, a actual scope, not a red, you know, not necessarily a red dot, but actual scope that increases, you know, some a small amount of magnification. Like, most of them are like one to four, one to three or something like that. You know, people have, uh, I forgot the word, stick astigmatisms i think i'm saying it right and stuff with their you know things on right eyes, that they they have right. to have a scope and then there's just people that need it or want it you know to be able to pattern you know your your guns the point of impact is shooting off with the choke load combo that you want like that's the pattern that you're desiring and chasing after but it's hitting low and to the right and you're using a single bead you're making good perfect shots at the range and it's hitting low and to the right, you know, eight inches, the center of the pattern, pattern, just for example, eight inches off. The only, you know, the only options you got is Kentucky windage, which I don't recommend, or adjustable rifle sights that clamp, you know, uh, there's several options out there that clamp on your vent rib, or, you know, drilling and tapping, or if your gun's already drilled and tapped, mounting a scope or a red dot or a reflex red dot. And um, that way you can pattern your you can move your, you know, you can sight your pattern in. That red dot or that cross arrow is the center of your pattern, and you are actually 
aiming your pattern where you want it to go. You know, a single bead's more like, you know, to be honest, a single bead is more like pointing. It's you're, you're, it's kind of just pointing the gun with a red right. dot or, or scope crosshair, whichever person, you know, people are different and fancy different things. You know, there's people that, that, you know, want a scope and there's other people that, you know, red dots, whatever it is, you know. Right. Um, so and to me, I think the biggest benefit for a red dot is it actually makes you, of course, it doesn't make the pattern tighter, but it, it, but it does make your pattern tighter in my opinion, because well, you're, you're aiming smaller, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're trying to hit on. You're, you're putting, you're putting the center, you know, the densest center part of your pattern exactly where you're wanting it to go you're aiming it you know putting on his waddles the side of his head his eyeball you're, you're you're aiming it precisely where you're wanting that pattern to go and um it just take it takes a lot of thinking out of it you know with a single bead you know you have to you got to make sure your cheeks down tight on the stock and in the heat of the moment you know it's it's easy for some you know your your, your cheek to slide up and you're thinking, you know, you missed the gobbler and you got your hands up there and you're saying, well, I had to be on his head. Well, you probably did. And I've done it, but your cheek was up off the stock and the gobbler was in close range and the load just shot over top of his head. Um, right. With a red dot, it takes a lot of variables and things or a scope, whatever. It takes a lot of variables out of it. You know, you got the thing sighted in, you, you put the red dot on his waddles on his head and squeeze the trigger, you know, um, with a reflex dot, reflex red dot, as long as you got that red dot on in that tube or that screen, you can be, you know, caught in a bind, twisted around. I mean, you know, I've been in some crazy situations turkey hunting. You hunt long enough, you're going to experience them. You'd be twisted around a, a tree. You have to use your opposite hand. Uh, I've been caught where I've had to be, you know, laying down on the ground, standing up. You know, yeah, you can twist it over as long as that dot is on that screen. Don't matter where it's at on that screen, you got it on his head. That's where that pattern's going. Yeah, um, and it gives you uh, reflex red dots give you more field of view than a single bead. And some people's gonna say, What, how, you know, because a single bead, there's but with a single bead, say, you know, most setups you, you want the gobbler to come looking for you, and he shows himself he's in range. When that gobbler's getting close, you're hearing gobbling, walking in the leaves, spitting and drumming. He's going to show himself. You know, you got to have your, you want to have, you know, you want to be buried down your gun and ready. So when he pops up you, and you're hoping that you got your gun barrel where it needs to be so you don't have to bump it left or right very much, you know, him catch you. You know, you got to be buried down on that stock and ready. You can't see anything from the barrel down. See what I'm saying? When you're sighted with a single bead. Right. Right. But with a like a reflex red dot, you can float. You can float your chin. You can float your your cheek up off that gun, and it gives you more field of it, more field of view because you're up off the gun. So you you know, and you don't have to drop your head. You don't have to get back down on the gun to kill him. You can just as long as you can see your red dot in that screen. You know, you can kind of float your head, and it gives you more field of view. And that was one of the first benefits I seen on you know. Working first gobbler in that kill with a red dot, you know, I, I could hold my head up and and uh, and I didn't have to get it back down once he showed himself. 
yeah that to me that was because i'd been a i guess you a, like a bead shooter or something even a little bit better like a some kind of true glow bead site with the you know the triple bead where you line them up i'd something i've always shot something like that for the longest time and i just recently this year i'm gonna start using the red dot and and i can already tell a difference from just patterning the shotgun and sighting the red dot in how much more you can see that was like the first thing i noticed and how much better you can actually see the gobbler's head yeah with just that dot instead of a, a big old bead because well, at 40 yards that bead i mean it's it's covering his head up most well, of the time well well with the you know with the red dot you can see the turkey's whole body you can see yeah everything around him below you know below way down below his feet i mean you see the whole gobbler with a with a if you're looking down a vent rib at a single bead you're sighting on his head you can't see nothing but above that vent rib up you know his his head is all you can really see yeah um and you know a lot of people are concerned about like the speed of the shooting tar- you know target acquisition getting on them uh my, my, myself i feel know that you have faster target target acquisition with with the red dot you do a single bead because i mean you get the you get the dot on these waddles and pull the trigger with a, with a single bead it's like that you get you I always did even when i was shooting fast like i would tried to make sure i had my cheek down like it's like a fraction of a second i'd pause right you know you make sure i was looking straight down that vent rib i had my bead flat on that vent rib my cheek was down and squeeze the trigger off you know yeah no you have just as fast or faster shooting with with the um a red daughter scope yeah i I, now i I never was a fan of a scope my 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 vision's perfect and i never was a fan of looking through a tube even red dots in a tube I'm a fan of just me. I like re- the reflex style, like Burris Fast Fire 3 and Vortex Venom, the little tiny micro re- reflex the red dots. That's my favorite. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Like I've That's what I've got. I've got a, an actual tubed red dot. It's the uh, True Glow Gobble Stopper, um, which I still like it, and that's that's kind of what I've been thinking is I wonder how much I'm actually going to like it. I mean, now – shooting sighting it in and all that stuff i loved it yeah um and that's my only concern which i'll i'll probably do some more practicing with it and see kind of how i react by just throwing up and trying to get on target with it um but i still it's still night and day um better or head head over heels better than a bead on a on top of a barrel the next, you know, question I get from people, they're concerned that, you know, thinking they're, they're, they're on the fence and wanting to get into Red Dots or something is um, battery life and durability. And that was me. That was, I was the same person wanting the same thing. So the first Red Dot I got, it was several months before turkey season. And I put a fresh battery in it, and I turned it on, and I left it on, like, for a couple months. And it, you know... Turkey season came, the red dot's still burning, so the confidence of the of the battery, you know, for me was completely wiped away. Like I wasn't worried about the battery. Yeah. And then the little the little the batteries are so cheap. You know, they're like a dollar a piece and I get like a five pack. Yeah. If I'm well if I got 
four or five guns that I carry and just whatever kind of mood I'm in or what gauge I'm wanting to hunt with. So it's not like I'm myself. It's not like I'm stuck on one gun, but if say I hunted with one gun all season and I was hunting a lot, like I had the, the, the ability to time off from work and or whatever my situation, some people get to hunt a lot. I was hunting every day. I mean, the battery's like a dollar, $2. Even if that battery will last me three years, just for peace of mind, Every week, you know, every Saturday, you know, Saturday or Sunday of season, I just slap a new battery in it just for peace of mind. And then anything that can and will go, you know, anything that could go wrong, you know, can and will, you know, happen. You the bat, you know, you might buy a brand new pack of batteries, and there'd be something wrong with that battery, you know, and you're, you know, it go it go dead on you, and um, you just never know. So I always, you know, I try to be prepared have a backup plan i i have extra bat i carry a little snack ziploc bag with a couple batteries in it and whatever couple little tools that i need to rip that site off if, if it would if i break it which i i don't have any confidence issues with breaking the site i mean that can happen easily if you take a bad fall or something but i i take everything it's just a it don't take up any space in my vest it's just a little tiny snack ziploc bag you know, a, a little Allen wrench and a little flathead screw, screwdriver, and if something would happen, I could take that sight off and the mount off, and still be able to use my 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 bead or rifle sight to whatever I had on the gun. Yeah, that, actually, you saying that makes me think of something. Um, made me think of a buddy of mine. He, uh, Philip Cadenhead, guy that's with us with Strut South TV. He he's got a. Um, a true glow gobble stopper, but I think his model is actually like a year older than mine. Mm -hmm. I think I got like one of the newer, newer versions of it. Um, but he is his, and his is a tube. It's like a tube scope. And, but he always says he actually wants it to be kind of like a scope because that's what his he said. He always says his problem is he he sometimes gets impatient. So by him having that tube, he it actually makes him look through there and put it on target. Which I mean, I understand that, yeah. but but his his sight or well that 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 tube red dot it's actually raised up just a little bit off of the gun, right? And it's got a little bitty gap right up under it to where you can still look all the way down the barrel. Yeah, and use the single bead or something. And so use a single bead. So I thought that's that was pretty cool. And I mean I ain't trying to sell true glow red dots, but I'm just saying that's an option if if somebody's yeah. thinking that. There's, there's they do make sites like that. Yeah, there's numerous different ways to uh, you know, mount sites depending on what someone's wanting. You know, there's 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 options out there. Yeah. Uh, um, well, since we're talking about red dots and sighting guns in and patterns and all that good stuff, um, I think a lot of people kind of get confused when it comes to, uh, picking out a choke, um, which, I mean, there's, there's all different brands of chokes and we don't have to really get into what's the best brand or whatever, but as far as picking a, picking a choke and, like choke, I think the biggest confusion with chokes out there is choke um, 
constriction. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of explain that and kind of explain what, what constriction is and what different numbers mean and all that stuff. Um, well, constriction actually like the actual deal with it is actually the, the difference between the bore of the shotgun and how much it constricts from the beginning of the choke to the exit of the choke. That's the actual restriction, but just how we talk about it, the general public, all of us, we call the exit diameter of the choke the constriction, which I actually it's supposed to be called exit diameter, but just for rule of thumb, how it's relayed among all of us, we just call it constriction, which is the exit, the measurement of the exit of the choke. And different make and model guns have different bore diameters like Mossberg 835, 935 they're overboard and other other make and models are, are tighter and so forth it, it affects how much constriction you know when that load's slamming in you know going down the barrel and slamming that choke different make and models guns need a, a different like maybe a word for it would be like a minimum like you don't want to have below this amount of constriction on this make and model gun for this type of shop material. And it's only annoying. But I mean, best thing to do if you have any questions is call the choke manufacturer, tell them this is the gun I'm shooting. This is the load I want to shoot. And they're going to be able to, to point you in the right direction on a starting point. And some choke manufacturers make a standard constriction for making model guns like they've done the homework and this is this constriction works best with this and yeah. then other other companies offer all all different kinds of constrictions and x diameters and you can swap them in and out and they'll work with you and so forth um yeah i was gonna say actually i mean i don't know i guess it depends on where you live and what kind of gun like that are out there but i know there's a place not far from where I live, which it, I mean, it is about an hour and a half drive. I'm in, uh, I'm in Georgia, but I don't live very far at all. I'm probably about a 40 minute drive from Auburn, Alabama. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's a store just on past it kind of North of Auburn. Um, which ends up making about an hour and a half drive, but if you're looking to buy a gun, like if, if you're, if you're looking to buy a gun and all this other stuff, I mean, that's really not, to me, that's not that big of a trip. Cause I mean, that's a pretty important purchase. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, sure. But this store in particular, and there's probably other stores out there that'll do this, but this store, it was really cool. I just found out the gun that I have now at the time, they were the only store I could find somewhere close that had that, version with with that camo pattern and i just wanted it All right and um but now of course everybody's got it and because it was myself bottomland i bought it like five years ago or something six years ago and back then you couldn't find bottomland anywhere and uh but anyway i'm i'm getting off sidetracked but the store they would um you could buy your gun there whatever and you could go in there and look at all the chokes that they offered for sale and you could shoot your gun with all those chokes. And then you could say, all right, well you could test them all out and whichever one you like, then you could buy it. All you had to do was pay for the, 
pay for your shells that you were about to shoot to test it out. Right. So, and I thought that was really cool. So, I mean, anybody out there that's looking for something like that, I mean, look up some, look up some gun stores and stuff. And there's probably some that, that offer that. Yeah, that's pretty. That's I mean, that's a pretty unique, unique deal there. That's a pretty cool thing they got going on there wherever that's at. Yeah, I kind of wish I kind of wish more stores would do that because that's um, that's really really beneficial. It takes a lot of that way you ain't got to buy it and then you go shoot it and you're not happy with it. So yeah, and 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 the, and the thing is, guns are their their own animal. I mean, yeah, uh, your your higher end guns are you're paying for that precision that how they were machined and made. So it, you know, it's good. You can, it's a good possibility that you can see someone else's results and, and be able to go with the same thing and get some results, but it's not, it's definitely not set in stone. Right. Uh, I mean, you can have, I mean, I've patterned, you know, have two guns exactly the same, same length barrel side by side and shoot the same load, same choke. And they both throw a completely different pattern. So it's you have to just put your time in and and test it. I mean, there's there's a rule of thumb out there. You can say this choke and load works great in this, you know, make a model gun, and probably a good chance that it will work for you. But you just have to you have to test it. You have to try it. It's it's not set in stone. I mean, like I say, they they're all their um. Yeah, every every gun is yeah. it's its own entity basically. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of, and that even goes back to what we were talking about. You know, take time, figure out what your gun's doing. I mean, and that's a good. I mean, that's a good starting point. Like you said, ask people. You know, what's the best in your opinion? You know, what do y'all think works best in this and that? And then you have to go from there because it doesn't matter. I mean, you can you can uh, shoot. And, and and the same goes for shells too. I mean, you, shells and chokes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I, that's the thing too. I think a lot of people don't don't understand is every single gun, no matter what brand it is, you could have five. So you got five Remington eight seventies lined up, and they're all the exact same gun. You could put the same choke, same shot in every single one of them, and they all shoot different. But then you could take a different shell and a different choke, put it in another gun. That's, th- that's what I'm getting at is yeah. you have to come, you have to find the best combo of gun choke and shell, not and, just choke and shell. Like most people. Yeah. Think. And kind of, kind of going back to single bead, I got into pattern a lot and I started realizing how few single bead guns with certain, you know, choke load combinations, you know, how few actually shot, per, you know, point of aim to point of impact, you know, perfectly dead on. You know, yeah. m- many of them would kill the turkey, but the the bulk of your shot, would, the center of your pattern would be off. Right. So you're not actually getting everything out of what your gun can do. And um, you know, that's kind of where falling back to sights and you know whether you you go, go for you know putting using adjustable uh, adjustable rifle sights to clamp on your vent rib like there's two that stand out is uh not plugging them but just throwing them out there is uh you know true glow pro series magnum gobble dots that's one of the popular ones and williams fire sights 
Universal. Yeah. Uh, that those two those two are real nice sites that mount on your vent rib. Those are options. Um, you know, I have guns set up both ways. I, I I love my red dots, but I have two twenty gauges, one with a red dot and one with rifle sights, and I have two uh, two twelve gauges. Uh, set up one for red dot and one for rifle sights. Just kind of what kind of mood I'm in. Maybe, maybe it's a really nasty day, and I just you know, raining a lot. And I'll grab my you know my my gun for rifle sights. Just yeah, actually, and actually, I'll say this too because hopefully, whoever's still listening, I'm, that's one thing I've always wondered about. I don't know if an hour is too long. <laughs> or how long people actually listen, but um, I'll, I'll say this. I know if, if anybody out there is still listening to us and talking about all this stuff, because we've kind of been on the same topic the whole time, but um, if if you're one of those people that's like, oh, man, I, I don't, I don't want to do all that because I can't, I don't want to spend all this money and I can't, I can't afford TSS or I can't afford a, a red dot or, you know, because most of these red dots, especially big name brands, they're upwards of 50, 60, 70. That's for, you know, cheap version. And then you got some that are like 100, 200, 300 bucks. Um, yeah. But there, there's Rock. always there's always cheaper versions out there. I mean, yeah, you're going to take a ch- you're taking a chance with with something that's cheaper. There's no doubt about that, but. I mean, there's options there are, out there for there's for options. Red dots. There's options. I mean, if you need to if you need to get your point of aim, point of impact, or you know, sighted in your patterns, say, you know, you, you can you can have a gun with one choke in it and shoot one load, and say it just say it hits perfect, and you want to try a different shell, which you seen that yourself the other day, right? And it shoot a completely different spot, you know. You, you you had the long beards and they sh- you, know, you had it sighted in and you didn't change anything but the load and then the other load shot high yeah now granted those apex according to what i hit on target they still would have killed that turkey at but, 40 but, but the but the center right your pattern was was high right yeah and you can you can change in a choke can move your point of impact point of aim changing the load, you know, much less both of them at the same time, you know, yeah. it's lots of variables out there. Yeah. But, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's, especially when it comes to red dots, I mean, there's, there's really extremely cheap options out there. Well, there's some, um, there's some affordable yet reliable options out there. Like, uh, but they're in a tube They're a little tiny inch and a half long, two inch long tube, uh, red dots. Like uh, the Bushnell TRS, my father-in-law's got one on his gun, and I've been around it. I helped him set the gun up. I've been with him when he killed a couple gobblers with it. It's a really reliable sight. I mean, I I, I like it. Um, I yeah. Would, you know, um, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine actually has a. Uh, I think they're like Chinese made, and I mean, we're you know you're taking somewhat of a risk when. It's Chinese made. Either it's gonna work or it's not gonna work. Is my in my opinion with Chinese made stuff. But um, you got these off brand name red dots. Um, my buddy's got a red dot. It's a reflex red dot. 
I mean, it looks almost identical to those Burris reflex yeah. sites. And it's like, tw- literally, it's like 20 bucks. And uh, it's actually really, really awesome. Um, I mean, if I if I was going to go that route, a lot of people don't get get you know get on the ball until like turkey season's coming around. Right. Um, if I was going to go that route, I would try to do it in the middle of the year and yeah. fool with it and get, and build confidence in it. You know, if it was mm-hmm. affor- it was affordable, you wouldn't be out of much. I'd fool with it throughout the year, and you know, you either you either build confidence with it or you would learn that this isn't working. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from, you know, any of these big name brand things like True Glow and all these other companies. I'm not taking anything away from them. Of course, you do get what you pay for in the long run. But you're, you're um, just talking about options for people. Yeah, yeah. We come, we come um, from all walks of life. You know? Right. We I know. Different with lives those, and yeah. incomes and budgets and, you know, it, it like say it don't even have to be a red if you need to if you need something that will sight your pattern in you can you can go rifle sight i love rifle sights i love a good set of adjustable rifle sights i have confidence in them you know a williams fire sights universal they clamp on your vent uh, vent rib they're 30 bucks on amazon and the true glow pro series magnum gobble dot sight uh rifle sights uh they're they're like 50 bucks on amazon yeah yeah that's a route you can go yeah I think it is. I uh, I, I think it, it. If everybody just kind of just put a little bit of work in and try to just figure out what you like to do and figure yeah. out how you want to hunt and and if you're on a tight budget, just just make a just make an effort to at least even if you don't, if your gun is shooting off, you know, shooting a little low left or low right, whatever it may be. At least know what it's doing. At least you know, make an effort, shoot a couple shells at the range on a, on a big target. That's another thing. You know, I know we're, we've been this podcasting a little long, but uh, I want to emphasize using a big target. You know, I see you know people come to me with this little t- turkey head target, and half the pattern be off of them. They're like, you know, what adjust? You know, what kind of? You know, what do you think of my pattern? I'm like, well, I can't really see your pattern. I don't know if it's blown apart, if you're ever constricted, because most of the pattern's not on it use a backing, you know, use yeah. a stop by the dumpsters or landfill or recycling center or where you work or a restaurant and get a, a, a big cardboard box. And I like shooting something that's like three foot by three foot, 36 inches by 36 inches, you know, something to give me. So if it's off, it's still, I get that whole pattern on paper and I can, you know, analyze it and see what kind of story it's trying to tell me, you know, um, what I what I use, uh, you get it from just about any hardwood st- uh, hardware store carries it. Lowe's or your, your local small town hardware store is uh, rolls of red rosin paper. It's like a underlayment for under you know to put underneath hardwood floors so the floor don't squeak. Whatever. Yeah. Um, it uh, comes in rolls of like 125 feet, 150 feet, and it's three foot wide. And, you know, that stuff will last you long. If you do quite a bit, of, if you do a little bit of pattern every year before season, it's a good investment. It's like most places are like 15 bucks, and that's a lot of three-foot by three-foot targets you can tack up, you know, for a backing. If you And I just – I like just using a dot to aim at. And then once I – like when I'm when – I'm, you know, or if I'm just getting the pattern on paper, I, sometimes I won't even put a dot up. I just aim for the center. If I'm just – trying to get the patterns on paper to analyze it and say, oh, this is not what I'm looking for. I need to make this adjustment or, or whatever. 
I just want to get it on paper, uh, you know, and then once I find the pattern and combination I want, then I'll, you know, put me a dot up and then adjust my sights or, or whatever. And then before season, turkey head, you know, turkey head targets are fun. Like the ones Birchwood uh, Casey makes, they are, you know, I think about as the most lifelike. And they're cool, you know, they, they're the interactive where they, you know, shows the dots, changes colors. And I yeah. enjoy them. But I, that's something I do, like when I have my gun – you know, tuned in and ready to go. Like, I'll, you know, I'll shoot it one, once or twice on a turkey at Target because it's fun, but I still put it, you know, put it on a backing. What I'm emphasizing is use a backing. Don't just shoot a turkey head target tacked on a tree because you're not going to get the whole pattern on there. You're not, you're, you know, you're going to miss a lot of the story. And if you're right. the type of person that's looking for advice or help, like, you know, what I need to do here, well, I can't really tell you because I can't really see, you know, I can't tell if the pattern's blown apart and it's ever constricted. Or it needs a little, you know, a, a click or two more of constriction to tighten it up. And that's another thing is everybody doesn't want the same pattern. Everybody's interested in different things. You know, some people want a nice, even, you know, high percentage retention pattern, but they want it nice and even. Some guys are into hot core patterns. They, you know, they want it, everything in there tight, size they can get it, you know, and that's fine. It's just everybody's different. Yep, I agree. So in order for someone, if you're someone that's looking for advice, you know, I would need to know, all right, what kind of pattern are you looking for? And I need to be able to see your results. Yeah. So so use a big backing and, you know, that, that gives that gives someone a starting point on, on the help you. And, and the, not me, but the, these choke manufacturers, they help people, you know, they – it, you know, for them to be able to give you feedback, you know, we'll swap this choke out for this one because your pattern and your load combinations doing this, that's going to help them. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. Um, well, uh, I guess we can start wrapping this up. I know this whole podcast has pretty much been about basically one topic, pretty much, um, guns and loads and, Stuff turkey, like turkey, that, hunting, but, turkey hunting shotguns and yeah, optics um, and gear and yeah. But but I mean that's it, it needs to be talked about because I mean that's that's the first thing you got to figure out first before well, you buy your before you buy any of your camo, your calls, all that stuff. That's that's the one thing that you have to have right, you know. Well, um, you know that's what does the killing and yeah. Uh, and a lot a lot of stuff. If someone you know people stay through this whole thing, a lot of it. Would, would sound like a lot of elementary talk to a lot of experienced you know hunters and shotgun gurus and stuff like that but there's just look at how many people are you know introduced to turkey hunting you know every spring or every year or just getting into it they don't know nothing about it so kind of wanted to you know be kind of elementary you know as best we could to to help these you know help these people you know there's lots of people that maybe embarrassed to ask questions or not sure what questions to ask you know so hopefully you know, we just kind of just sitting here talking like buddies, really, on this podcast, just, you know, just shooting the bull. So hopefully yep. we talked about some things that, you know, not not trying to make someone say you got to have a red dot or rifle sights or if you're shooting single bead, you're crazy. I mean, that's we was just trying to, you know, raise awareness and just, you know, just good conversation as far as I'm concerned. Shoot. Yeah, man. Um well, I'll tell you what, when uh, when does y'all season start up there? 
I, like I say, I live in Virginia, and our uh, our season always comes in the second Saturday of April, and then the first weekend of April, the first Saturday and Sunday of April is youth season. So first Saturday, uh, depending on work and stuff, hopefully I'll get to take – and uh, youth weekend is also apprenticeship weekend. Like if it's someone that doesn't have a hunting license and they're been hunting, they can get an apprentice license. And it, I mean, it doesn't matter the age, um, you know, it's about getting new people into the woods. You know, you can do that in Virginia also. Um, so hopefully uh, I'll be off work and um, be able to take a kid or someone new to out that weekend. And then the following weekend season comes in, our season's five weeks long. And the first three weeks uh, season, uh, you can only hunt to 12, one o'clock. And then the last two weeks of season, you can hunt all day. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I feel a little bit bad for you because you got to wait a little longer than me. I only got about three more weeks, and I can be chasing birds here in Georgia. Well, well, it's a double-edged blade, you know. Y'all, some, uh, some of y'all, some of the southern states, you know, their season comes in early and lasts a long time, runs a long time. But some of them, you know, are out, and then the guys that you know up the east coast, that's you know further north, you know, those guys' seasons are done in the south, and then you know people up north are still hunting. So it, it goes both ways, you know. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, ours our season ends May fifteenth, so I, I feel like we've got a pretty good. Yeah, I mean y'all season. One of the best. One of the as far as length wise, we've probably got one of the longest seasons. Um, yeah. Us in Alabama um, is the same length. Alabama comes in like a week before ours, and it goes out like a week or two before ours does. But what what's Georgia? Three birds. Yeah, three birds in Georgia. Um, I think I think in Georgia you can kill all three in one day or something like that, can't you? Oh yeah, yeah. It don't matter. You can kill yeah. them whenever. You can like, kill all three of them within ten minutes if you wanted to. Yeah, Virginia's you know one a day. Um, Alabama's Alabama's one a day. Um, Florida, yeah, I think you can only kill two. Um, but the only thing I wish they would change about our season is. I wish our season would open on March the 1st and go out on May the 1st. Yeah. Um, right now, the way it is, it opens usually like the third weekend of March. Yeah. And it ends like the second weekend of May. Now, I'm not a biologist, but if just what I've gathered over the years, you know, officials whoever sets these things up purposely sets them up a little behind the prime so those gobblers can get yeah. out there and do some breeding so yeah. yeah and that's the thing like that's the only reason the only reason that i feel like it should be that way i think our season should kind of be more like alabama's um because that's kind of how their season is theirs comes in like right at the middle of march and goes out like right at the first of may i think but um I, I don't know. It's it's um some years it's different. Some years it's like the turkeys are already done. They don't want to gobble. They don't even want to act like turkeys once the season starts. Yeah. And then some years it's it's uh they haven't even come close to starting yet by the time yeah. the season starts. So it's every year yeah. is a little bit different. Yeah, it's just uh and you know those years when they're tight lipped first part of season, you know, it's tough going especially if you, you know, not everybody has a lot of time to hunt. A lot of people are weekend warriors, you know, work Monday through Friday and have weekends off. And then 
you know, you have some people that work shift work that have a little bit more time to hunt than a normal nine to five worker Monday through Friday. And some people are retired and have plenty of time still in good health. And some people have lots of vacation. So, I mean, it just depends on, you know, you, you got to have time to hunt them and you got, and you got to, you got to find birds. It's two things it takes to kill them is you, you got to be in birds and you, you got to have time to hunt them. I don't care who you are. You got to have time. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. And and to me, that's the biggest thing is you definitely can't hunt them if you don't have them. Yeah. But those uh, birds that are tight lipped, you know, those years that's kind of tight, uh, tough going at first, you know, most of the time, you know, three, four weeks in the season, you know, them hens start going to nest and things really turn on, you know, if it don't, and what I've noticed is if it don't get scorching hot, it, you know, it helps late season, uh, you know, hunting. It seems oh, yeah. like when it gets real hot, it kind of shuts them down mid morning, middle of the day. But anyway, um, you was talking about what you wish they would change in, in your state about the season. I, I'm, I'm happy with ours. I just wish – I wish we could hunt them all day, all season, you know. Yeah. Uh, besides the last two weeks, that's the only thing I like to see change. But anyway, um, I believe we had a pretty decent podcast. I hope, I hope we helped somebody out there. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. I know we, we kind of get got right back on a, a rambling page there at the very end. But – um. Yeah, man. I think, I, I think, you know, to, to end it, we ought to touch back on real quick on what we started out with is, and you know, the bashing is just getting ridiculous. You know, support, people need to start coming, you know, hunters need to start coming together. You know, the, the outside is coming after hunting bad enough, much less us deteriorating each other from the inside out. If someone is hunting within the law and legal and ethically, you know, support them, you know, just if you if you if you ain't for it just you know just move just move on you know yep i mean if 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 somebody's if if somebody does something that you don't agree with that's okay but yeah we're all you don't yeah i mean you don't have to just just keep keep on going you know keep on moving i mean there's no need to there's no need to chastise them and bash them for it i mean yeah just don't if, if you don't like it, the best thing to do is just not pay attention to it. And, yeah, and, uh, and then the touch up the middle of what we talked about is, you know, just make an effort. Just everybody's budgets are different and, you know, it's pattern can be expensive depending on what you're shooting and stuff, but just, just make an effort, try to make an effort just at least, even if you can't change the point of impact or something on your gun, just at least know what it's doing. At least know my gun shoots low left or, you know, make an effort, you know? Yep. That's all I'm asking. I agree completely. Well, Devin, I sure do appreciate you coming on here with us, man. That was a that was a good one there. I like that. Um, yeah, man. Good luck this year, and uh, be safe and enjoy the woods, and and uh, wish you much 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 success, and get to hear plenty of goblin and spit and drum in action, and have a good year, man. Oh yeah, same to you, brother. 